Hey folks, you're listening to To Know the Land, broadcasting from the treaty territories of the Mississauga of the Credit on 93.3 FM at the University of Guelph. Maybe you're listening to your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcast. It's a show about our connections with the land base, how we interact with the land, how we learn about the land, how we defend the land. My name is Byron, and I'm talking today with Danny Castelline and Amina Lawler. Uh, you're, you're behind the curators, maybe the hosts behind the Journey with Arcane exhibition currently showing at the Queen Street or Queen Square Idea Exchange in Cambridge. Um, I, the Idea Exchange, the library there um, until February 5th, 2023. Can y'all introduce yourselves? Hi, hi everyone. Uh, thank you, Byron, for having us. Um, my name is Amina Law. I'm, I'm mixed Vietnamese, Irish, and Métis, and my Métis roots are from Red River uh, with ancestral ties to communities uh, east of Winnipeg and also in northern Manitoba. I grew up uh, just north of Toronto in a suburb uh, close to tributaries um, of the Don River, and I studied architecture. I studied architecture and completed both of my bachelor's and master's degree at the Waterloo School of Architecture located in Cambridge, Ontario. Um, it was during my master's that Danny and I met, and currently I am working full-time as an intern architect at Smoke Architecture and uh, part-time as a research associate at the University of Guelph. Um, I guess one significant uh, project as part of that work is a project called Nookum's House, um, which is a land-based and community-engaged research lab that will be constructed at the University of Guelph for three Indigenous researchers, uh, Dr. Kim Anderson, uh, Dr. Brittany Luby, and uh, Dr. Sherry Longboat. And actually, Danny is part of the architectural team working on that project. And so I thought I'd mention this one just as it, it's very much related to the exhibition and, and a lot of the work that I'm doing. I'll leave it there. Thanks, Amina. Yeah, so uh, thank you so much, Byron, for having us. I, I'm really excited to get this started and have this conversation with you today. So um, I'll go ahead and introduce myself. Um, my name is Danny Castelline. Um, my, that's my, my legal last name is Castelline. It's a Dutch name. My father is Dutch. My mother is Mitsis. Uh, her parents, um, my grandfather is Métis more Mitsis, and my grandmother is of mixed descent, but mostly French. Um, I My pronouns are they, them, and the my mom's last name is uh, Longlad, and Longlad is kind of the name that we, like, we use to, uh, to attach a deeper meaning to our, our kinship ties back to uh, where our family is from and, and who our family relates to. Um, so I'm a, I'm a registered citizen with the Métis Nation of Ontario, um, and my kinship ties extend from the Red River uh, to the surrounding regions of Georgian Bay. And my uh, region, I guess my formal region is Region 7. So that uh, is basically a very formal way of saying that I'm, I'm a Georgian Bay descent, island descendant, and my family ties stem from the historic Georgian Bay Métis community. Um, so I, I've also have a background in architecture. I'm an intern architect currently working at Brooke McElroy, and I completed my undergrad at Laurentian University, so at the McEwen School of Architecture, 
And then I hopped over and, and completed my master's of architecture degree at the University of Waterloo or UWSA. And uh, I guess that's that's it for me. <laughs> I think I've talked to Amina about this before, but I, I've always have these lofty views of architects of like how magical and amazing your work must be and how artsy fartsy you can get and how like beautiful things can be because you're you're making places for people to inhabit and to to exist within i remember i think it was george tessiot uh talking about like uh thresholds and like how how thresholds need to be considered in more than just like their form when it comes to architecture so when i talk to y'all i feel like i'm talking to to place poets folks who, who create space and create beauty in space so i'm glad that you're both here on the show and we can talk about uh place making in, in all sorts of ways and connection to place through that so welcome to to the show i was Thank wondering you. if if you could tell me a little bit about your exhibition, I think that's the right word, uh, the journey with our kin um, happening now at Queen Square uh, Idea Exchange in Cambridge. How did, how did it come to be? Danny, do you want to start this one or would you like me to? Yeah, no, I, I guess we could kind of play off each other because it, it's kind of funny because it, it kind of happened by accident. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I I got an email um I think from the past director um of the School of Architecture Anne Bordelow and uh she had mentioned that um ID Exchange wanted to partner with the school to create an exhibition and and thought that Amina and I would be a good fit uh for um that partnership and at first I mean at the time I was I mean, both of us were <laughs> incredibly busy, and uh, but I'm I'm really glad that we went, I guess, on that track together to try to put this together because it uh, it was really really a fulfilling experience. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was the like Danny said, yeah, the uh, they reached out to us to do this, and I think we. We couldn't let the opportunity pass, I suppose. <laughs> As Danny said, we were both very busy, but I think it was just such a, an exciting um, idea to be able to exhibit uh, some of the work we've been doing. And um, and I guess we, we started to talk about like what, what would kind of ground the exhibition, what the theme would be, what kind of work we would show. We, with ideas of creating new work and doing new research um, for this, like we had, we had lots of ideas, right, Danny? I remember at the beginning we were like toying with so many different things. Um, yeah, it was but, so tough because you know you were right in the middle of of really getting Nookum's house off the ground, and yeah. so these kind of questions, I mean, these questions that we developed for the exhibition to kind of frame the uh, the theme around it. Uh, were really at the front of your your mind when we were putting this together. Yeah, absolutely. And I was also, um, I I guess in the in the past couple of years, I've really been in this space of of kind of like land based work and trying to build on that. And and so we kind of landed on this um, 
this idea about what it means to explore our relationships with land. Um, and I guess with the exhibition being in Cambridge, we we thought, okay, maybe we can focus on this area. But then uh, with Danny's work, it's really about a, a migration. Um, and I'm sure Danny will talk more about their work. Um, but it's about this kind of much broader scale, scale relationship to land. And then I was dealing with a very kind of specific location with Nookum's house and a lot of the work I was doing. So we thought, okay, well, all of these things are tied together by kind of understanding these stories related to land um, and how those connect us to land. And um, so we kind of landed <laughs> landed on um, on this broad theme of, you know, what does it mean to relate to the land? What does it mean to think about our place within the territories where we're located? And we wanted to also bring in other artists into the fold. Um, so we decided to put out a call um, and with a bit of a focus on more local artists as well. And we're so grateful that um, that Catherine Ray Demer and Brenda Mabel Reed uh, joined us as part of the exhibition. Um, Brenda is local to Kitchener and Catherine currently lives in Hamilton, but they were both um, exploring these ideas of, of questioning and challenging our relationships to land and, and also different kind of material explorations around how we do that. So we thought that was a great fit. Um, and yeah, would you like to add anything else, Danny? Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, the, the theme of the exhibition is, is really broad about, you know, our connection to land, but the work in itself was, was deeply personal. And, mm -hmm. and I think that added a whole level of complexity to the, to the exhibition, you know, and I think, I think all of us in, in one way or another brought that kind of to, to the table. Um, you know, I, I know we'll probably get more into this, but, you know, there, there's pieces of, of us, I mean, it is, it is art. I mean, there, there's pieces of us in all of the things that we created. Um, so there's, there's that, I guess that there's that piece that I can't, I can't not mention, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was wondering about how it's been received the exhibition so far, the journey with our kin. I kind of laughed when I read this question because, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I have a bias, right? I mean, I, I asked the people, like friends and family that, that came to the opening, um, you know, what they thought. And, you know, those were all positive reactions, you know, mm -hmm. even people that we had, I mean, uh, Amina had invited a number of people that were connected to the Nookums House project. And, you know, I, I, the positive, I mean, the, the reaction I think was positive, but I can't, uh, I can't speak to like the larger um, E everyone. <laughs> How did everyone receive this? Because I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I had similar thoughts actually as well. I, I think within our connections within, um, I guess my kind of bubble or community of folks, I think it's been received well generally. Um, but like Danny said, I don't know in terms of the broader community, like the broader community in Cambridge, um, 
or those who are kind of coming to this kind of work without much knowledge of of the context of a lot of the work, I I'd be curious to know um, how it's been received. But yeah, I guess this is a good lesson in like thinking about how you get feedback from from exhibitions like this. Um, but the the workshops um, I was able to attend. So I, I guess I should mention that as part of the exhibition, we also had decided we'd host a series of events. So um, it started off with Danny um, sharing sharing the Anishinaabeg migration story that's depicted in their work, um, and a kind of artist talk in opening, and then uh, Catherine Catherine Ray did a a workshop um, around her piece uh, "Water as a Gift," and. In that workshop, it was it was folks from from the community, so a lot of folks that I didn't know, um, and we and together we uh, we made I guess kind of like mobiles, um, thinking about how to play with light and and we also um, yeah, Lori Miner is a water walker who uh, did a an opening for that event and and just to say that that workshop I think was really uh, well received and the folks that came from the broader community I think really appreciated the work and then Brenda Mabel Reed did a workshop as well we've gotten good reception generally from from the public in terms of involvement in these workshops and I'm I'm hosting a walk uh, with you tomorrow Byron and uh, Elder Miptune uh, and we're going to be it's I believe it's full actually uh, I think we had it capped at 20 people so I guess these are some of the tests too to to think about how how it's received so that sounds great I like fullness as a sign of good reception you know um, if people are excited to participate and eager to to be present and, and show up then that sounds like it's a good thing um, I was wondering if there's in in the process of of working with the other artists uh presenting ideas or hearing others present their ideas that are that are shown at the exhibition or that have been discussed at these events have there been works that have like challenged or provoked you and i'm curious as to like which works did that if so uh, and how have they challenged and provoked you? What, what have they pushed you towards or maybe made you really question or think about? And I asked it personally from my own place of like, I love, I love going to places and learning new things and having little ideas cracked open in me. And I'm like, okay, well, here's a new way to think about things. So I'm just curious about if you, if y'all have experienced that. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think they all did in different ways um, uh, in the sense that they, they challenged me and, and provoked me um, in different ways. And I, I guess I'll speak to kind of like a snippet of each of them, you know, with, with Brenda's work, it, it's a um, basically, a, a, I don't, I don't, I'm probably going to explain this incorrectly, but it's a large uh, a textile of a, a toile canvas that has had been stitched um, basically with like the, the delineations of land and parcels of Cambridge and their, the, their, their way of, of 
I guess, interjecting or challenging this delineation of land was to um, basically take a, like, I don't know what they're called, but it's basically it removes stitches from work and that you can actually physically yourself remove these, these stitchings from the, from the work. And my, my thesis touched upon kind of these um, invisible boundaries on the land and also the waterways. And so that, in that sense, it was very cathartic for me to be able to physically go up to an object and remove um, these things that I, you know, these, these lines on the land that really hurt me, <laughs> that I, I just want them removed. I just like the idea of, of, of chopping up land into these little parcels and to, for, to, to understand land in that way is, is really backwards in my mind. Um, and That's a, yeah, I saw a photograph. I'm sorry to interject. I saw no, please. A, a photograph of that. And that was beautiful. Like, imagine, you know, these stitched on borders. And then I think affixed to the wall. It looks yes. like there's these, the stitch rippers. And you can just come up and just rip up these borders off the land. And it's, it's, it must be cathartic. I'm sure it brings up like some deep emotions of, of well, especially Cambridge too because I mean we had a technical report um you know back when we had to to make one for for um one of our master's courses and one of the sites was in Cambridge and I recognized the site on the map and I just remembered being so constrained to that site and just hating the fact that those lines were there and I just ripped them all up I was so happy um, yeah, so I mean, in, in that sense, it, it helped me kind of reconcile the, the ick that comes with, you know, the industry that Amina and I are, are both within. Um, and I mean, with Catherine's work, it's just, you know, the, the way that she was able to express the, the I shouldn't say spirit, but the the feeling of what water gives you in its in its entire sense, um, you know, not just in terms of its aesthetic, you know, the the reflective quality of the of the water up on the wall, and the ripples on the floor, um, but also I I I didn't know until I got really close to the work. I was like, what is going into the water, Catherine? Like, what is dipping into the water? Because uh, she has these mobiles that dip these things in the water. And I'm wondering, what are these things? And she's like, they're hands. They're hands that that physically pick up the water and interact with it. And um, the 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 it just it just it just blew my mind, um, just the way that she was able to express that relationship um, through her medium, um, just beautiful. And I won't, I don't know if how much I won't, I won't share too much of this because I'm sure Amina will touch on, on the, on her work, but um, Amina and I, when we started talking about um, putting together this exhibition, part of it um, did kind of, we, well, we touched on potentially including some of the Amina's thesis work, which I thought the the images from it were very thought provoking for me, and um, I guess one of the images is is kind of like the prompt 
for the exhibition. It's it's kind of it was used in in one of the first kind of um, media outreaches about the project. And Amina had intended to make these beaded works and which were included in the exhibition and they were meant to be gifts for people. You know, to include a, a gift for someone in, a, in an artist exhibition like this, to me that related back to reciprocity, you know, related back to also the connection that she had, not only with those people, but also with the plants that she represented in the work and how those plants related back to her relatives. So it was just really all encompassing for me. You know, all of, all of the work was immensely thought provoking and also deeply personal. And, and for me, it touched me in, in a way that I think will, will cause ripple effects for a long time. Amina, did you want to talk about your work at the show a little bit? Yeah, I thank you, Danny, for what a beautiful description of the work and and about its influence. Yeah, I, I can talk a little bit about my work in there. Um, as Danny mentioned, I I have a series of beaded uh, pieces, so I've got three three beaded kind of medallions. Um, they're about five inches in diameter. Uh, they're on wool felt, and they're not perfect by any means. I'm certainly a, um, I'm still learning as a beater, and but I wanted, uh, as Danny said, I, I had a series of drawings that I did as part of my master's thesis, um, and I guess all of those drawings were were intended as almost templates for beaded works that I hope to gift to people that were influential or influential to the work or were mentors to me or friends or you know just people that really impacted me and and how I was thinking um, about the content that I was writing about and and just the experience of doing my master's uh, thesis which was very much a kind of reflection on different experiences I'd had. Um, and so, yeah, this idea of thinking about gifts and honoring those who who were my teachers um, was something that I wanted to bring into this exhibition. And what I decided to do was to make three... So, actually, before I get into that, Maybe I should mention that my the other piece in this exhibition is an illustration around Nookum's house and our other than human kin on the site at Nookum's house. And Nookum's house, so Nookum, it's an abbreviated version of Nookmis. Um, it's also, um, I guess in Cree, Nookum is, is also the word for grandmother. So Nookmis means grandmother, Nookum means grandmother. Um, and Nookum's house is grandmother's house. So it's about this grandmother's space. It's a home space, it's a safe space, it's a space for community, for learning, for research. And so this idea of grandmothers, kind of learning from those who are grandmother figures for me was an important part of the work that I decided to include in the exhibition. So the beaded pieces, I decided to include three pieces for kind of three um, grandmothers in my life. Uh, two of them were my biological grandmothers, and one of them was my my great aunt, who was also a kind of grandmother. 
figure for me. So, um, so I named them for Beng Wai, and Beng Wai means maternal grandmother in Vietnamese. Uh, for for Eileen, for Grandma Eileen, um, who was my dad's mother, um, she was Métis. And for Go Hui Tien, who was my great aunt, and and yeah, I uh, I beaded these pieces for them. Uh, my Grandma Eileen uh, has passed on, and so has my my great aunt Go Hui Tien. Um, but Bang Wai, my Bang Wai is still going strong, and um, I'm I'm so excited to gift my my piece to her once once the exhibition closes. I really like that idea of honoring, you know, kin with the work. And I mean, if the theme is the journey with our kin, sometimes I think there's two perspectives there that I think people can take. They can take like a human kin and, and think of that way. And I think how, like, I really appreciate that, that that is incorporated at the exhibition, but then also uh, are more than human kin beyond the human. And that's incorporated. At the, at the exhibition. So it's a really holistic view of, of kinship relationships, just all placed there. And I, I really appreciate that a lot. I was wondering if we could switch over to some of the questions that y'all have posed with this exhibition. And I actually, when I, when I read these, I was like, okay, this is like a lifetime of questions that y'all are asking. And, and putting out there. And I think that I, I want to sort of reflect them back to you as, as I mean, I, I think you've indicated before that you ask these questions because you don't know the answers. And I think that that's, that's why we ask questions. That's very appropriate and very, very real. But I also want to like, let's get into it. Let's, let's ask some of these questions. And I would love to hear some of your thoughts on them. Um, some of the questions that are posed at the exhibition, and maybe I'll read some of them out and you can decide if you want to try and answer any particular or if you just want to take them all at once, because I'm very curious about all of them. I wonder, uh, here's the first question. What does it mean to care for the land that cares for us? How do we foster kinship among all our relations? The interconnected network of creation that encompasses the earth, water, air, sun, moon, plants, fungi, and animals. Second question is, how do we reconcile and bring together multiple perspectives to build community in connection with the land? The third is, how do we strengthen our capacity to care for the land? What skills do we need to do so? And lastly, how do we creatively express our journeys of reconnection with our other-than-human kin? Now, those are, again, pretty big questions that can detail a lot of consideration and a lot of reflection for years to come. But I'm, I'm going to just pass it back to you. And I was wondering if there was anything there that you wanted to talk to and speak to. Yeah, I think maybe I can add to also the fact that, you know, these questions, I think, are very much part of the exhibition. And I think going back to talking about how is the exhibition received, I, I'm hoping that these, you know, when people look back on, you know, when the exhibition comes down, these questions, I think, will still kind of be in the ether somewhere. Um, some will, will be able to look them up. And I mean, these aren't 
questions that are unique to us. These are, I think, questions that a number of Indigenous scholars and, you know, uh, activists and artists have already kind of posed and, and answered in, in different ways. But, um, you know, I think this is the the lasting legacy of, of this exhibition is, you know, the workshops are kind of in in response to kind of finding an answer, not an answer, but trying to build our capacity to, to find a way around these questions. They're more of like a kind of framework, right? Just to, to consider or how to center our, our actions and our thoughts as we navigate the exhibition or, or just the work we're doing more broadly. And yeah, I guess I'm trying to think of which one to address. Um, and they're all so interwoven. Um, but I think maybe just the works themselves in the exhibition, um, you know, we pose these questions in our call for pieces and thinking about pieces that would uh, address some of this work. And, and I think in different ways, of course, um, each of our works attempt to to kind of brush up against these questions or um, again, I don't know if we can answer any of these questions and that was part of the part of the point, but um, my colonial brain just kind of wants to answer them all right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I could talk about, um, you know, for me, a big part of this and, and Byron, this is partly how we've come to know each other is you know, as part of my thesis work, I was like, well, well, how do we do this work in a good way? How do we make places in a good way? How do we do architecture in a good way? Kind of honoring the land, honoring the fact that we're on, you know, on indigenous lands that have very, like, violently been overtaken or disrupted or, and to form the cities and places that we know now, like, what does it mean to, to kind of reconnect with um, my own ancestral teachings with with the kind of very human um, kind of existence too of, of actually being in connection with the land and so for me I, I started you know I started to think about okay well I grew up in the suburbs I spent a lot of time outside I spent time camping and I always loved being out among the plants and the trees and and I always loved animals, but I'd never really taken the time to really get to know and understand um, how our our animal kin or our plant kin kind of live in the world and how they interact with each other. And you know, and there's so much to learn there. So, so for all of you listening, I guess Byron. I met Byron because we, um, Brittany Luby at Guelph, um, had worked with Byron in some of her classes and we ended up hiring Byron to do some wildlife tracking at the Nookums house site and you know I told the story at the exhibition opening but I still remember Byron when you were telling us about the the species or the animals that you were finding track and sign of on our site um, one of the, the species that you mentioned was the flying squirrel and I had no idea that there were flying squirrels here <laughs> like in this part of Ontario and 
honestly, like it was kind of this moment that was really eye-opening for me because I realized like I don't even know, you know, who all the animals are that are our neighbors. And I thought I always considered myself someone who was quite aware of these things because I grew up watching so many nature documentaries and all of these things, but somehow that was one that slipped through the cracks and I was just like, I really need to kind of take this moment and, you know, reconnect with this knowledge that I'd kind of neglected um, throughout most of my academic life. And so kind of coming back to this, you know, wanting to center learning, um, learning about the land and learning about the animals and plants on the land um, became really important to me. And so I've, you know, I, I ended up signing up for wildlife tracking apprenticeship with earth tracks and environment you're one of the instructors there of course and I think this has been such an awesome experience for me to to really learn how to read the land and and understand kind of what's happening all around us all the time and so kind of building that awareness for me you know if we look at the question how do we strengthen our capacity to care for the land what skills do we need to do so I think this this awareness building um, is so important because, you know, how are we going to care for the land if we don't even understand what we're caring for? And if we're not understanding how, how the land cares for us, if we don't understand where our food comes from, our materials come from, um, all resources, you know, all of that, of course, is from the land. And if we don't understand those connections, then how are we going to respond to you know the kind of eco side that's happening the climate change crisis um yeah so i think that's kind of where i'm at within a lot of this i had the same thought as you when i read that the question about how do we strengthen our capacity and i think the one word that just stuck out in my head was we need to start to listen better you know, and I've been I've been listening in set, like intently to this podcast called the Language Podcast. It's a language revitalization um, podcast that I mean specifically looks at, at revitalizing Indigenous languages and particularly Anishinaabemowin. And I think part of kind of that link between like building capacity to understand the land is is listening and figuring out how to read it um but also but also in in understanding a relationship to it i think goes back to also uh, like i'm i look at the world like i i know two languages so i know how much of this is true is that you know english is a real barrier to i guess understanding relationship differences between are our kin um are more than human kin and you know looking at the language you know even in an instrument when there's you know this connection between um words that are animate and words that are inanimate so one way that the one of the people that run the podcast explain you know that connection to like let's say they give the example of fish so fish is a an animate word and so instead of saying like in english um what are you catching um 
the way that it's presented to you in Anishinaabemowin is who are you catching? Um, so I think I think in that way, you know, all these questions can be answered in many different ways, and I think they're going to be answered in different ways by many different people. Um, but I think in that sense, like uh, Amina, with the work that you've been doing, you know, I've. I mean, I can only look back in awe because, you know, the capacity to, to go out and, you know, learn learn the, about the land with Byron, you know, I think is an incredible gift because um, not a lot of people get that opportunity. Um, and even some, some, I know some people, you know, you can go out and you can know nothing about the land, but if you just sit there and you just listen to it, it'll tell you so much about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've I've asked myself these same questions in other ways previously. And I, I would echo Danny first, what you were saying, like you don't need you don't need to know like a lot of the science and the ecologies and you know, like the book learning, the you don't need to know all that sometimes to feel a connection and a profound understanding of what some, someone or what the land needs, you know, like I, I often relate it back to human relationships and I know that's kind of weird, but um, it just helps me teach better that way and help me understand better that way that if someone is, is not doing well, regardless of their language and your language, you can sit with them and you can start to see what they might need. There's, there's a, an empathy or a compassion there that you can start to understand what's going on for that person. And if we extend that and we, we practice learning to have the eyes to see or the ears to hear it or the heart to hear it and see it, then I think that that capacity can be built and experienced um, just being with the land. I think uh, my mom, I love her a lot. She's not so ecologically literate, but when she goes, when we were out West one time, she saw a clear cut. She knew exactly what was happening and she knew exactly in her heart, what those feelings are. When we talk about alarm calls with birds, um, like our clock alarm clocks are, are, smoke alarms are fire fire drills they're all they all mimic the sounds that these birds make because instinctually somewhere deep inside us when we're outside and a bird starts alarming we know already that something something is happening we can hear it um we don't have to we don't have to study for years we, we just have that intimate relationship already and I think, Amina, what you're saying, too, about building that capacity to be in relationship and to uh, strengthen our capacity for care for the land, you know, by learning the language of the land, you know, by learning, you know, the bird's alarm calls, by learning about the way that the wind moves, the how the river flows and how it shaped the landscape and the animal tracks. Through that. It is learning deeper capacities or it's developing deeper capacities to, to know what's going on. And I really appreciate that. And I see that as a really real 
at least in my life and, and how I see the world, I see there's a really real way of understanding um, our relationships and the relationships that are going on all around us all the time. But I would like to also offer that maybe maybe it's a it's a, a gratitude that through working with Nocom's house and through uh, listening to folks in how how a worldview is presented that challenges maybe a dominant Western that colonial program, but the the, the way that folks at Nocom's house can work with relationship to sort of challenge that with such, I don't want to say simple because it's not, but it's like the ways of navigating relationship are so challenged, the capitalist ways of navigating relationship. And they're done with subtlety, with uh, a grace and ease. And I think it's really reflected in like the, 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 the idea of Nocom's house as you know, this place, grandmother's house, where we come to be in relationship with each other, in relationship with the land, in relationship with everybody else, sitting around a kitchen table, drinking tea, maybe eating some cookies, maybe going out for a walk, maybe having a small fire. And I think that learning and, and seeing uh, the weight of those what my, I'm, I'm going to use the word simple, but I want to find another way of describing it. But those simple ways of connecting with each other and with the land offer so much power to, to, to disrupt that colonial narrative of how we interact with things, of how we approach uh, even the non-human world in our most radical Western identities. Like it, it's all that the knees shake of western colonial identity when seated at grandmother's house in how those relationships can be developed and i think that i've learned so much from uh working with nocom's house from hearing indigenous folks talk about relationship building and i think that i want to challenge tracking skills and scientific knowledge and by learning more of indigenous ways of being. And I think that, I, I just wanna say, Amina, that you're on the right tip, <laughs> working with folks from Nocom's house and working maybe with the, with the tracking. And Danny, I, I'm, I'm reading some of your work outside of this project and really appreciating it. And maybe I'm just rambling now, but I, I'm just, <laughs> I, I wanted to say that I, I'm, I'm grateful for this rest of, reciprocity this this back and forth of discussion that your work both of you is bringing up at least in my life and likely in the lives of others too yeah oh thank you so much byron for sharing all of that i just wanted to add i guess before i forget that um yeah like thank you so much danny for for kind of bringing in this aspect of language because i think and listening, um, because, you know, thinking about how we learn the land and how we learn languages, right? Immersion is often one of the best ways just to be somewhere where they speak the language that you're trying to learn and just immerse yourself in it. And, and I think thinking about learning the land 
language and learning the language of the land. Um, like you were saying, Danny and Byron, like you don't necessarily, you don't need all the books and all the, the kind of those resources to learn. Um, you really just need to go out and listen. That's probably the most powerful way to do it. And, and of course that is taught in, in a lot of, you know, in the program that uh, I'm part of right now. And Byron, you've, I know you've written about kind of the power of sit spots and, and listening. And I just wanted to highlight that piece, like thinking about, you know, how do you learn which of the land while well, you, you immerse yourself in it and you spend time listening. And, and I have to remind myself of this quite often as well, just to, you know, I, we live in this kind of colonial world and I, I very much was, you know, mostly raised within the kind of mainstream um, Euro-Canadian environment and it takes a lot of work to kind of challenge and unpack the ways in which we we learn and the ways we think we need to learn and anyway so I just wanted to add that piece and maybe one more thing about Nookum's house is I think you're right Byron in that it is it is a simple thing actually it's it's about providing access to the land and to be able to just kind of share food and nourishment in a place where you can see where it's coming from. Um, so in many ways, Nookum's House is, is a very simple idea and concept about kind of creating a decolonial space. And, but it's so important, um, even in its simplicity. Yeah, I, I wanted to thank you, Byron, for 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 really highlighting the work that Nookum's House is doing. Um, but also, the, you know, going back to what you're talking about, thank you so much for sharing that with us, you know, just talking about building those relationships. Like, we're not perfect. Relationship building is hard. It's hard work. Like, I can only imagine the amount of hours that, you know, you've spent outside sitting and just, like, it's a lot of work, you know, even building relationships that are, you know, with between humans, like, that's hard work. Um, and, you know, I think the the work that, that Nookum's House is doing is, like, it's, it must be so, it's, it's it seems it seems simple I mean it's a simple in concept I, I mean it's got it right on the nose it's simple in concept but there's so much work behind it and I and you both know this um but we're also we're also imperfect people we're imperfect beings and we're gonna we're gonna mess up sometimes um you know and you know thinking about clear cutting like the, the land doesn't need us and I think sitting in the land, you know, you'll get that right away. It's like everything is happening around you and you're not, you're just sitting there. You're not interacting with it and you're realizing it doesn't need me. Um, I, I need it more than it needs me. It doesn't need me at all. Um, and that's a very, very humbling thing to be met with. Um, you know, I, I, I have a garden. I keep a garden at my house and I I was um I get these periods where I, I get very sick and uh this one particular time where I couldn't I couldn't go out in the garden I couldn't uh I couldn't really care for the plants 
I felt horrible. I was like, I was letting down my garden that I had spent so much time and energy trying to like build up. And somebody told me, why don't you let the garden take care of you for once? And that changed my whole understanding of my relationship with that garden in that moment. And they told me, they just said, just go out in the garden, just sit in the garden and just hang out with it. And for me, that was a really powerful moment to be told that. And it was a very humbling experience because, you know, I, I just recentered the my connections to that to that garden and the, and all of the insects there. And they didn't bother me. They just kind of just roamed around me, keeping going on their way. It was just really powerful. I think that's it. I think that whoever told you that's pretty wise. Oh, yeah. We can do a lot to support. And what's the last question? How do we creatively express our journeys of reconnection? And how do we strengthen the capacity? Those those two ones. You know, it's like we can uh, strengthen our capacities to care for the land. And, and, and sometimes that's that Western, you know, like active, always doing. But sometimes it is like sitting with and letting the land uh, we need to strengthen our capacity for the land to care for us in some ways you know um, yeah and we've forgotten that relationship exactly exactly and it's through that fear it's through that fear that we keep flailing about but if we sit recognize the abundance i was just watching it I was just watching a trailer for a film about uh, the forest in Borneo and uh, the human inhabitants of the forest in Borneo. And the trailer just opens where uh, a man is talking about when I'm here in the harvest season, I feel like I'm with my mother at her breast and I know I don't need to be afraid of going without. I know I have, I'm taken care of. And when I just saw that this morning, I was like, yeah, that's it. It's like when we realize the abundance that is already from these magnificent beings all around us, and we we learn how to be in relationship with that in a good way, in a respectful and honoring way, then then we're we're taken care of. And there's so much abundance. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like part of the problem too, is that you know, a lot of us recognize that abundance, but then take advantage of it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, especially for someone like me, I almost saw the land as like too precious to interact with, you know, and I think that's an, that's another problem too. It's like, you know, there, there are ways in which, I mean, Amina talked about this a little bit, you know, going back to those ancestral teachings, it's like, you know, we, our ancestors figured out how to how to help the land. I don't know if that's the best way of saying it, but you know, there there are ways in which we can care for it. There are ways to care for it. You know, when you see, like I know there was a practice of like um like burning grasslands that were a big thing that would moderate kind of um, you know, ecosystems, but also um kind of mitigate giant uh, fires as well from happening right too 
um, but would just like re reinvigorate soils and and also plantings in that as well. So there there's a way that like we figured our ancestors figured out how to how to care for the land in a way that you know we were able to build that relationship of of it caring for us and us caring for them. No, while not while not like you said, Byron, while not abusing it. I feel like the conversation is just cracking open, but I also have to abide by uh, commitments that I've said to you of, of timelines and commitments I have to the radio station of timelines and to the rest of my life, sadly. Um, <laughs> and I have to, I have, we have to sort of start bringing it back in. Um, but damn, okay, okay. This just means that we're going to have a conversation <laughs> another time in the future, all three of us. I, I would appreciate that if y'all are into it. Yeah, off air, you know, with yeah. a little bit of tea and sitting out in the woods somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe in Nookum's house or sooner. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I'm into anything. Go for a walk. Just sit down somewhere. I have a thermos in front of me. We'll use this one. It'll be great. Sounds um, perfect. <laughs> I want to know also, like, just a little bit of follow up. Like, what's next after this this, this uh, exhibition goes to February 5th at Queen Square in Cambridge, um, at the Queen Square Idea Exchange? Um, what's next for y'all? Um, what's happening now after, after this exhibition closes? What are you working on? Amina? <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you would start. Um, <laughs> if you want me to start, I no, can start. No. Yeah. Uh, struggling trying to get through my internship. <laughs> uh, yeah, not not much. I'm 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 taking a little bit of a break, uh, to be honest, and uh, just trying to. I think that's the thing too is talking about my writing, Byron, and you know, one thing that I've been hearing through this language podcast is like you know, you can ideate and write and draw forever, but you really just have to go out and do stuff. Um, you know, go out and just be with the land and and try to build that relationship. And I think, you know, I'm taking a step back for a little bit, um, you know, and continuing to recenter um, my connection to my kinship relations, you know, both human and non-human. And part of that is is also struggling with the fact that we live in a capitalist society and I need to keep making money in order to survive. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, part of that is is completing, you know, the very real architecture internship and everything that comes together with that, such as like, you know, logging hours and yeah, learning new things every day. I just want to comment that, you know, the capitalist society that we're all a part of, uh, not healthy, toxic, maybe even abusive relationships are still real relationships. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they still exist. We still must. We still participate in them sometimes. Yeah, I should say this is a caveat. I I'm, feel very supported at work. And, you know, I just I'm I'm a very fortunate person. I'm very lucky to be where I'm at right now. Um I, I think this is just me talking about the natural growing pains of what comes with our our uh, 
our industry. <laughs> Amina? Yeah, I think I wish there are a lot of magical parts about architecture for sure. Um, and I, <laughs> I love, I loved your description at the beginning, Byron, about, um, yeah, about thinking about architecture in this amazing way. And, and in many ways it is, and in many ways it's not. <laughs> so I think, yeah, the part of kind of operating within this capitalist society, um, is tough. It's very tough and it weighs heavy sometimes. Um, but yeah, for me, I think, you know, I, I have been thinking about how I can spend more time on the land and how I can prioritize that kind of learning, um, you know, while still working and making a living, hopefully. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I'm still working on Nookum's house. Um, there's kind of, there's, it's been a long process because we're always navigating budgets and, you know, approvals within the university. And overall, there's been so much support for the work and, and that's been great. So we're hoping that everything kind of moves forward smoothly, but, but it's still, you know, we, we're still hitting hurdles and it's still a long process, but maybe, maybe the main thing I'm trying to do, you know, similarly to Danny is like, hoping to be a little bit less busy so that I can take the time to nurture my relationships yeah like you know like Danny said like with our with our human kin but also you know just spending time you know in the woods in on the land tracking and yeah I just I've found it so hard to to actually get out with you know with so many things on the go and I yeah so I guess next I'm I'm hoping to to spend more time spend more time on the land maybe that means that that coffee is more close in our future than we think it is <laughs> that walking around yeah let's plan it I'm down as soon as we press <laughs> stop on the recording <laughs> Sounds my daytimer is right here yeah well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, both of you, for being on the show and taking the time to talk. Um, like I said, I really mean it that the work that y'all are doing, the 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 exhibition that's being put on, um, what y'all are bringing to the world, and the questions that you're asking, and, and I know you've you've already mentioned like these aren't necessarily just your questions. A lot of people have been asking these for a while. But to highlight them again and explore them in new ways and breathing different life into them and into the conversations that we're having in how do we build these relationships with the land base and with each other in, in good ways. It's so good right now. It's so important. And I really appreciate it. You know it's important. Everybody who's probably listening recognizes how important that is. And so thank you for putting in the time and the work and the effort and the vision to to bring it all together. It means a lot to me, and I'm sure it means a lot to you. So I just want to highlight that and say thank you again. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you, Byron. Really appreciate it.